I'm Joanne and welcome to Simon and Joe's Foodcast. We are two friends with a deep love of cooking, baking, eating and drinking. And I'm Simon and we really want to hear from you, including what you want to hear from us. You can email us at simonandjoefoodcast at hotmail.com and find us on Twitter at simonjoefoodcast. You can also leave us a cheeky little voicemail on our Skype voicemail inbox. Just call us. Leave your questions a voicemail. You can find us just search on Skype for Simon and Joe Foodcast at hotmail.com. Hello, this week we are talking about the Food Olympics, and that is not say an actual event, may well be one, uh, but we're talking about all the different games that people have played with food, all the different games that people can play with food. People say our parents told us not to play with our food, we <laughs> beg to differ. Um, last week we had a, a wonderful time talking about Easter. Joe, did you have a good Easter? I did indeed. I did indeed. It was brilliant. It was lovely. And uh, I had the family over, so we had a nice time in the garden, which was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw the photos. It looked so lovely. Yeah, it was brilliant. I really, you know, I really, really miss them as well. Um, we were, um, They came down uh, Easter Monday, I think it was. And Bob and I had our um, Easter lunch. We had uh, roast beef uh, for lunch. Ooh. And the most... Oh, Oh gosh, I thought they were going to burst out the oven. I made Yorkshire puddings, <laughs> <laughs> and they were yeah. enormous. <laughs> but honestly, like there, was so <laughs> there was so much left that um, you know I had loads of veg left, and uh, we just made mini roast dinners. And then uh, I, I made some mashed potatoes, so we got sort of like um, mm. cottage roast dinner, if you see what I mean. Oh, lovely! Yeah, yeah, and that, that's all mm. in the freezer now. But we had um, loads of cabbage left over as well. Oh, well, it's just funny because we talked about cabbage we did. last week, didn't and we, Joe? This thought, is an interesting segue. Cabbage? What on earth? <laughs> well, actually, I fried some cabbage and I fried some onions and I fried, you know, I had some carrots left over, but I, oh my God, Simon. <laughs> How did I not know about this? It's it's one of those things where I just think, you know, sometimes just frying it, oh, that's a bit late. But actually, if you fry it really well, I mean, like, you can make it really good. I don't mean kind of just, you know, smother it in butter. But just, you know, oh, yeah, it's just lovely, isn't it? It's sublime. Well, it, was, it was absolutely divine. And I added, uh, amongst all that, I added some bacon and then some leftover mash as well. And I was a bit worried because there wasn't much mashed potato left. But I, I put it in and actually it spread. It did really well. Made it into... It was like a bobble and squeak, essentially. And then I just uh, put a couple of poached eggs on top. It was beautiful. Ooh, oh, I do love it. a good poached egg. Yeah. You know what? Of all the things that I can make, I'm really, really proud that I can make a poached egg. Because I think it's one of the hardest things, technically, to get through all the hardest things. But well, it's not an easy thing to make. It takes practice. It well, takes skill mm, to get. Yeah. Just, yeah. Unless... <laughs> Oh no! 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 Were you doing one of these? Like, were you cheating? Did you do it in a poach? Like one of those little pans? Well, technically, I think you could say I made steamed eggs because I put them in the little poachers. Oh, in the little bain marie. Yeah, for you know, you have a pan. You have, you you have four, po- you know, four little dishes that you put your eggs in. You put the lid on. It does it for you. So. I don't, yeah, I, I do think that's cheating. I also don't think that's a proper poached egg. What I think that's closer to is what's uh, called um, earth en cocotte, which just means egg in a little dish called the cocotte, which is also, it's a little French dish, it's like a ramekin basically, but it's also one of my favourite things because cocotte is also French for prostitute. <laughs> 
So there you go, a little bit of knowledge, uh, fresh from La Rousse Gastronomique. Anyway, sorry, you were talking about your fake poached eggs. No, 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 they were, they were great. But do you know what you, you say about uh, poached eggs? I, I mean, obviously, you, you do your swirly water and everything else. And I'm rubbish. Swirly today. water. <laughs> it's swirly water. <laughs> it's got a little bit of vinegar in, thank you. It's a bit classier than that. <laughs> oh, no, you see, yeah, you see, this is where people go wrong. They put too much vinegar in and you've got all vinegar in no way. But, I mean, I've been with the Lord Love Interest for about 10 years now. We're coming up to our 10th year in October, uh, November. Oh, gosh. And oh. Um, all this time. He claims he can't cook, he can't, you know, he, and his food is very much out of a jar and everything. He does cook from scratch. I got into so much trouble when I said that he didn't. He does, he does. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was, that was our first show. And um, so I've yet to apologize to him for that. But anyway, he, I mean, he does amazing um, stir fries and things. But it was at Christmas, and I completely forgot to tell you this. It was at Christmas, and we had um, smoked salmon and um, poached egg on toast where well, he made it he actually made the most perfect poached egg chef standard poached egg i said where the hell did you learn that you know <laughs> where on earth did you learn that i mean that is something i can't even do myself I'm, i mean i'm up to be fair i'm much more of a baker as well if you see what i mean yeah but um but he said and he said do you know what he said to me he said i never said i couldn't cook like that i said okay right so you never said that you couldn't cook but then you come out with stuff like that i said so clearly you can so all this time i've been cooking these meals for him and he's getting to be a bit of a brat as well he's getting quite picky he's gone from oh my god you're such a good cook to "Mm, it's nice (laughs) you see this is what you've done what you've done is you've unleashed the kind of critical foodie in him um, which is not a bad thing. So, but yeah, I've already told him he's a brat. <laughs> so... Well, if you if you didn't think you're in, you know, if you thought you were in trouble last time, you're definitely going to be in trouble when this goes out. I, know. I have the advantage in the sense that Amy doesn't listen to the poo cast. No, no, what is he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she does that deliberately. I don't know if she kind of thinks, oh, you know what, he can just say whatever. I don't know if my mum and my sister are kind of reporting on it. Who knows? Don't listen to the food cast, but I can hear you recording it. Oh, she's just stuck her head around the door saying, I can hear you recording it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm recording it. Butt out. Now you're in trouble. This week we're going to talk about food games. So the games that people play with food. So we're going to talk about uh, rhubarb thrushing and marrow dangling. These are traditional English games, apparently. <laughs> But I think we should probably start off with the most famous English-British food game of all, which, of course, is the cheese rolling oh, Cooper's yes. Hill. That looks lethal. It is lethal. I mean, I don't... I, 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 at some point in history, someone must have gone, you know what, I think they've got to do, Jim. Let's, let's take this, this thing of double Gloucester, right? Roll it down a hill, and we'll run after it. That is some kind of... Like, how many brain cells do you have to have lost in order to think that is a good idea? <laughs> with that one, yeah. <laughs> it's a 200-yard hill. And they have measured the um, the speed of the cheese. It can get up to 70, 70 miles an hour. Wow. In no world should a, a cheese be going at 70 miles an hour. Not by its own pro- propulsion no. or I mean, momentum. Is it actually a real cheese? Because it doesn't break. It is a real cheese, but cheese is quite bouncy. I don't know if you have a bouncer cheese. That's not, isn't that something everybody does? Cheese bouncing? <laughs> well, if you do it on concrete or something really hard, it probably would wow, break. But yeah. yeah, it's this bouncy 
bouncy ground. But they don't actually run after it. They just throw themselves down the hill, don't they? Has anybody actually died doing this? <laughs> I don't think... I mean, there's been quite a lot of controversy around injuries. And they do have usually a couple each year. They have a first aid service that's there. They have a safety team that does it. So I think, you know, the, the closest you'll get me to doing is running a baby bell down a molehill or something. <laughs> I, I mean, actually, interestingly, it, it didn't happen last year, obviously, cancelled due yeah. to COVID. I don't think it's ever been stopped due to safety concerns. What they have done is they have increased the number of races, so you've got less people going down the hill at once. Oh, well, that so makes I think sense. they're up to about five races at the moment. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Interestingly, you do get people who are winning year in, year out. So Chris Anderson has won a couple of races. Mm. Uh, in fact, it's been a couple of years where he's won more than one race. So it's interesting. Obviously, it's a bit of talent to running down a hill really fast after a cheese. It's not just pot luck. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe with a baby (laughs) down. That's not something that you want to think about, is it? I've got in my head a kind of a Rocky Balboa style (laughs) montage scene with the eye of the tiger with kind of like little flashbacks. And every time the do, 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 there's a kind of like flash for cheese and then flashes someone running down a hill and then kind of like some weight training and then like, you know, <laughs> towel wiping the sweat off the brow. I can't imagine the spouse of any individual supporting their spouse running down a 200 foot long hill chasing a wheel of cheese, let alone them training for it. I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. Um, my husband couldn't come to the family gathering. He's training for next year's event of chasing a cheese down the hill. <laughs> well, you think that's mad, right? So it is. This, this whole conversation came about when um, I <laughs> I told you about my father doing marrow dangling. Yeah. And no, and Do you want to tell about marrow dangling then? Come on, tell us about marrow dangling well, because marrow I think marrow dangling just sounds like it's dirty. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I suppose back in the day there was a real marrow, but it's like a 15-foot pole with a great big rope and a marrow-shaped uh, boulder, okay? Yeah, it's like a, it's like an oblong kind of shape, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, then you had these men sitting around in a circle, around the outside, sitting on the chairs back to front, okay, with buckets on their heads. And... Um, <laughs> And somebody actually takes the marrow and they swing it round until and see how many people they can knock off. So the marrow's on like a big pole, isn't it? Yeah. So you like or, or like a tripod. They don't see anything happening because you know they're sitting on chairs. And I think the only reason why they're sitting on chairs because I've seen footage of marrow dangling on Blue Peter, no less, right? Nineteen sixty nine. We'll put this in the in the yeah. show notes, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I've seen footage and they're actually standing up. And I think the only reason why my father and his cronies were sitting on, on chairs yeah, was because by that time they had so much beer, they couldn't stand up anyway. Well, I mean, actually, I mean, how much did a marrow weigh? Kilo? A couple of kilos? No, it was heavy. It was, one of those hits you in the head. Yeah, it hits them on the head. It doesn't hit the... I mean, on Blue Peter, that's nothing. It actually hits them on the head. And, I'm, you know, I'm staggered that this actually happened. I, I honestly don't... I don't know of anywhere that does it now. As you swing the marrow around the pole, you push it off. And the idea is that you hit as many people as possible. So actually, you have to swing it out yeah, beyond it around, around the people. Around the chairs. If you've got a pole, obviously, and you've got a 
length of rope attaching the top of the pole to the marrow, the marrow will naturally fall back like a pendulum. Mm. So if you swing it around, it's not going to swing in a perfect circle. The circle is going to kind of spiral in. You wouldn't want to get garroted by that rope, would you? <laughs> That's probably the other reason I sat down. It's uh... Jeez, that's probably why they're wearing the buckets. The buckets might just seem like a kind of novel, oh, this is, you know, come do merry feature. Actually, it's a, it's a vital piece of safety equipment so you don't well, get strangled yeah, by a marrow. Do you know what? In hindsight, I think that probably was anyway. But, uh, but oh my, I can't imagine having sitting there with a bucket on my head thinking, am I going to get hit? Am I going to get hit? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, uh, this is probably a very blokish thing, but there's a part of me going, this is a brilliant game. This is absolutely fantastic. Did you ever... Uh, you probably didn't because... You know, you're sensible and you're not a <laughs> chap. Did you ever play slaps? Slaps? Yeah. So the idea is that you have you have your hands in a prayer position in front of you, oh, yes. facing your opponent who's got it in there. You try and slap their oh. hand and it's your turn. Yeah, I was, as ro- I was as roguish as you were, Simon, back in the day. <laughs> you know, it's that same kind of mentality that goes, slaps, that's a cracking game. <laughs> But no, but no, marrow dangling, I think it's in that kind of theme of games where it's just like, yeah, oh, it's a bit of fun, isn't it, until someone gets concussion. Yeah, and, but, um, but I'd love to be able to see it again. Yeah, and actually, you know what? I'm sure there are ways that you could do it with like um, something like, like um, not a medicine ball. That's not the right thing at all. That'd be even worse. But like, you know, you could do it with just like a, a sponge ball. I'm sure that'd be quite good fun. That would be better, wouldn't it? <laughs> if you get touched by the sponge, you're out. <laughs> if you get touched by the sponge, you're out, as opposed to if you get brained by a na- marrow. So I talk about rhubarb? Right, so the rhubarb thrashing. <laughs> I mean, you thought marrow dangling was peculiar. This is some even more kind of messed up stuff. And basically the idea is that you stand in a barrel so that you can't move around. Uh, I suppose you could like stand inside a hula hoop if you, you know, and you essentially um, hold your hands with uh, your opponent. So in one hand, you hold your rhubarb, a stick of rhubarb. And in the other hand, you hold hands with your opponent. So whichever hand works for you. (laughs) And then you take it in turns to hit each other with a piece of rhubarb. It's that simple. (laughs) Before you do, you're blindfolded. So the only way that you have of knowing where your opponent is is by feeling the movement of their arm. <laughs> so there's a little bit of tactics in that. Once your opponent is ready to be hit, they go beep boop. <laughs> so it's beep boop, beep boop, <laughs> beep boop. Which presumably is the only noise that they're able to make after being brained by a marrow. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's rhubarb thrashing. Um, you have two other people who are called gorpers, and they pick up. They're kind of like seconds in a duel. I want satisfaction. <laughs> rhubarb at dawn. <laughs> it it would make period dramas a whole lot more entertaining. I really wish I knew. How did I not know about this? Because I mean, that's much more some something that my sister and I could have done in the back garden because we had loads of rhubarb. We could have done rhubarb bashing. We would have done that. I want to do it with my kids. <laughs> I was thinking we could try it with celery. Celery would be a good alternative, wouldn't it? Because that would probably be more likely to break. But rhubarb can be quite hard, can't it? Well, yeah. But that's rhubarb. that's rhubarb thrashing. Yeah. <laughs> We just say, please don't try these games at home. Um, we bear no responsibility if you are um, incapacitated by a marrow. We've come to the point in the show where we talk about the best thing that you can do with an ingredient or what we think. It's coming up to asparagus season, yeah. which traditionally starts Marvelous. on St George's Day, which I didn't know. 23rd of April, that is the traditional start. So you'll see British hunters out with their rifles looking for wild asparagus in the woods. Is that how it works? No, it does not work like that. <laughs> 
Did you know it takes two, um, it takes a, a year from planting to uh, sprouting for asparagus? Once you've had your first harvest, yes. and it, uh, then it goes on. I actually grew asparagus once. I was so proud of it. and uh, But then I gave up the allotment and I had to give up the asparagus as well. But that was one of my sort of big achievements was growing asparagus. Um, it, it is such a short season. I absolutely love it. I really do. It's not long, but it takes an awful long time to grow. And then the first season is always a little bit sparse and then each year it sort of gets uh the the harvest gets bigger and bigger because it is only the i mean what we eat are just the asparagus shoots aren't they they're not you know that's not the final plant we, yeah, that's yeah. just what we eat yeah um so jay what's what's the best thing that you think can be done with well, asparagus to be honest i i normally put them in a quiche but uh, one of the things i have done with um asparagus is i made it uh, into a, an asparagus mousse which is served hot it's served, it's served in a uh, you know you you do do a sort of mousse mixture with your egg whites and everything yeah and um you put it in there and then what i served it with was um um sort of fresh prawns and cream sauce which which is made with uh prawns and then all it was was just cream and lemon juice and chives with salt and pepper as that comes to the boil and thickens up you throw in the prawns and when they turn Mm. pink they're ready and then i just put those on a plate oh and i put some asparagus tips in there as well and then um and then I just arrange them on a plate and then turn the um, asparagus um, uh, mousses in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they were absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. The problem is I've lost the recipe for it. <laughs> but, oh, no. Um, yeah, no. But it was lovely. And um, I remember I've, I did it for years. And, um, and uh, yeah. But in France, what they do is they actually pickle it. Oh. They, they put it in oil and vinegar. Yeah. Um, but, but their asparagus is really thick. They're not, um, you know, thin like ours. They're really thick asparaguses. They're, to be fair, I think that's a little bit OTT for me. I prefer the sort of the, the more slender ones. But they're very white as well. And then they just put them upside down in oil and vinegar and let that, um, and then they then they put it in a jar. I, I quite like that. But I've not actually seen, you know, to be fair, I haven't really looked up a recipe for it. Asparagus is blooming expensive. So I'm not going to be um, experimenting too much with asparagus just in case it goes awfully wrong, you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, last time I used asparagus was last year and I did you know, with a quiche, you know, the classic quiche with the, the um, star of asparagus on top. I've done asparagus soup. I love asparagus soup. Um, done that. And actually, that's one time I do thicken my um, soup with potatoes, which I don't normally do. And it actually works and it, it tastes like velvet. It, it you know, it fit, you, you not taste like velvet, but it feels like velvet in the mouth. It's absolutely delicious. So, so yes, that I would say soup, mousse, and possibly pickled if you can find a recipe. Yeah, I you know what I, I I was thinking about potatoes and thickening them soup. I think it works if anything that's green, courgette, yeah, leek, and if for some reason it just needs to complement those flavours. And what you were saying about thick asparagus, if you want a really good example of this, you, there's a, a wonderful and famous painting called um, A Bundle of Asparagus by Manet, or I don't know if that's Monet. I've just totally bungled how to pronounce um, impressionist paintings. Very good at French food, very bad at French paintings. Mm. But if you look at the size of them, they are thick. They are very they're thick. Like, uh, they're like bunches of fingers. Yeah. I think the best thing, I've got a couple of things I love doing with asparagus, a couple of things I really want to try. The thing that I love doing with them, really common thing, but I think they go really well with egg, go mm. really well with a proper poached egg because there's just, mm, so, you know, and if you want a nice big 
thick yolk for it the fresher the better um, but I like to wrap them in serrano or parma ham roll them in a little bit of parmesan salt pepper bake them in the oven for about 10 minutes or so until you get the really lovely crisp flavours mm, and then lay them out on a plate with a poached egg on top cut mm. the egg open perfection I mean just beautiful the other thing I really want to try is uh, the other good thing about, I know you talk about soups but asparagus courgette mint lemon zest that's interesting in a soup is absolutely lovely can i just um, say this is probably the first week i haven't had to run to my son for ideas <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is you know we didn't we in all fairness we didn't have a lot of warning on the side did we <laughs> i managed cabbage <laughs> just <laughs> but uh, yeah no so no actually it's the second week i haven't run to my son i think he'll be very proud i'm very proud <laughs> So we've come to that time in the show where we talk about our kitchen cringe. These are the things that really get on our tits um, when it comes to food. Um, and the things that really wind us up, the things that we get really annoyed by. Uh, my kitchen cringe this week is videos of, quote, air quotes, wild cooking. Um, oh, I've seen them. They really annoy me. And the reason they annoy me is that they don't seem particularly genuine. Because, yes, they're cooking on a fire in the wild. But, you know, they've got on their casual camping trip lots of cast iron pans. (laughs) A knife that looks like somewhere in between a cleaver and a a machete. They've got all these lovely exotic ingredients. Half a cow, which, hey, a lot of them are filmed in America. So presumably just shot a deer or something with a (laughs) semi-automatic rifle. Oh, you see, there's one in Turkey, so, isn't there? Oh, I don't know. I've not seen that. It really irritates me because it's not genuine. It's not proper wild cooking. You know, if you want to see proper people cooking in the wild, what they've done is they've got a crappy little portable stove, a little packet of something, and they're just eating beans. You know, I think it just it's disingenuous. It's not proper wild cooking. And what it often seems to be is just like meat, 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 and more meat. There's no kind of gathering wild mushrooms or anything like that. There's no foraging. It's just stuff that they've brought with them. Like, they're just doing it in a different location. You know, if you're going to go cook in another location, be honest about it. Yeah, it's just not very honest. And then people try and replicate it. And then... Yeah, I get what you're saying, actually, because I think... Um, I haven't seen the ones in America, but there's, uh, there's, I've seen the ones of a Turkish couple, and they do these enormous pizzas. And then I think uh, one of the things they did was they did um, stew in a jar and... Right. And it started off with this most enormous leg of um, beef. <laughs> they just slapped this leg of something and everything. And I thought, oh, gosh, this cell looks interesting. They just bung everything in these jars and then they sort of cook it. I sent it to the to my sons and uh, the eldest one said, what's the point? You might as well just make a stew. What a lot of mess. You know, what a lot of washing up. And I thought, oh, yeah, you've got, got a point there, son. But, um, yeah, or they make huge um, pizzas and, um, oh, they make all sorts of things over this big fire. But it's, it's this Turkish couple. I actually quite uh, enjoy it. But now you say, I'm thinking, hmm, how honest is that? So I think you, I think I might have another look and see. Yeah, wild cooking. And I, and I agree with you. If you're going to go wild cooking, go foraging for it. Um, obviously check with local landowners and bylaws and things like that. And, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's you know, just disingenuous just things like that that really irritate me. But that would be good, though. I'll- foraging and looking for sort of wild mushrooms and wild garlic and stuff and cooking a meal out of that with a pit. Yeah, but you would have to bring a saucepan. 
Well, this is the thing, and you see the things, and they think, they think, oh, well, you know, what would look really kind of good? And they're always big, heavy, cast iron type things. And actually, you think, well, no, actually, if you're going hiking, you want something that's lightweight, that's foldable. <laughs> exactly, that you don't want to take something with that looks heavy. It might look good in the camera, but um, you know, nice and iconic and idealistic. But it's just, yeah. it's just bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. Do you have a, a food cringe this week? Oh, I am struggling this week. I am really struggling because, um, as you know, I don't moan a lot. <laughs> I mean, well, actually, I don't moan Not at so, all. I've no, spent ten never. years telling my other half I don't moan. I just. Um, I have observations that are not particularly positive. So, <laughs> but I think um, with the lockdown coming down, you know, we're slowly coming out of lockdown. People are going out to, we're able to eat outside uh, in the in the gardens, at pubs and things. I think it um, there's a bit of a throwback. I mean, I love going to the pub. I love eating out. Um, I don't mm. like, obviously, um, lots of garnish on my food and stuff. But what really does does irritate me is going to a restaurant having a lovely meal with 20% service charged on to, on top yeah and I just oh. bugs me because it's you know they they have in tiny when you look at the menu again they have in tiny tiny letters service not in, included and I just don't see the logic in that why would you not include service in your prices no, I'm, because I'm absolutely what else with you. is the food going to get to our tables I mean just imagine like you know if they say oh yes we're gonna say we're going to curries and you buy a television to go oh yeah but actually we've um we've not included the uh, plug socket or the power yeah, supply yeah exactly exactly and um and I tell you there was a oh I'm just trying to think is it red squares it was a French um, sort of style cafe I can't remember what it's called and and they did this to me and I stopped going there Nobody, nobody said anything to me, and it, it just appeared on the bill, and it was twenty percent more than I expected it to be. And that, that is, that is a fifth of of the bill, a fifth. You know, I just think that's, I, I think it's an outrageous and outdated, and oh, I don't know the other word, but I think it also really devalues the people who are serving the food because they're not viewed as being part of the products. Like essentially, when you go out for a meal or you go and get a beer or mm. whatever you're buying a product and that's not you know there's a reason it's more expensive than doing it at home that's someone else's skill and time and effort and actually table service is a skill no, you know yes. you're dealing with absolutely for anyone that's ever tried to carry like three or four large plates it's it's a freaking skill mm. you know i don't understand why you know city centers aren't just kind of ringing every night with the sound of crashing plates as yeah, as physically impossible amounts of food are, are, aren't carried out you know so what do they do with this twenty hmm. percent? Oh God knows. I think that's the thing as well, is it? Have they, you know, are they just adding it in as a bit of kind of like a, yeah, screw you, yeah. Um, or you know, is this actually going to pay the people? You just don't know. And the thing is, if you do that, uh, and I think this should be separate from tipping. Tipping for me is something that you do for really good service. It's not something that should be expected. No. Um, in the way that it is in America, and I think if you're you're not paying your staff a, a wage for the work they're actually doing, mm. that's that's your issue as an employer but you know i also i'm at the point i'm quite glad to be able to have some disposable income that i can tip generously mm. where i feel it is but you know what if i have really good table service if i'm entertained for the table service yeah i'll tip that mm. I, I don't necessarily expect to be entertained by the food or the, or the table service but uh, well depending how much i'm paying 
But again, if I go and pay like 100 quid at a restaurant for a, per person, I pretty mm. much expect the service to be singing operetta to me. I think it's... Yeah, my expectation is that when I go out for a meal, the f- everything is included. Yeah. You know, as, for, as for service charge, I mean, surely that comes out of the food. I don't... I absolutely don't get it. It was Café Rouge, by the way, that did this. I remember now. Was it? Café Rouge, they used to add 20% on and they did it to me and I was so, so shocked buy it so i never use them again i just felt that it was you know it's just... that's disappointing and also, isn't it? who wants to go out and work out you know especially if you're on a budget which you know most of us are and you're going to buy, yeah. buy all this food and then you you have to work out what the 20 percent is going to be on top of that i mean who wants to go out to do that they just want to see the prices on the menu know what they're going to get and not have to worry about any surprises at the end of it. I, I really do. I, I get quite irked by it. I really do. I think it's it's wrong and and it, it catches people's unaware as well. So that, my friend, is as close as you're going to get to a kitchen uh, cringe this, this week. No, I, I absolutely think that is something worth getting you know, dare I say it, righteous over. Because for me, it, you know, service charges devalue the service. Mm. They devalue the people who are the front face of that restaurant. Like, you know, if the food's, if the food's crap or it's undercooked or it's not rubbed to scratch, you don't tell the chef that. It's the messenger, it's the, quote, the service mm. that gets that flag. They receive all the good things from customers. They also receive all the crap. They deserve more. Mm. I think, you know, they are... That's got me really grouchy. That's got me really grouchy. We are really grouchy when it comes to kitchen cringe, you know. But going back to tipping, what you were saying about tipping, my father would never tip on a credit card. He always paid cash, and he always made sure that the guy, that the person who, mm. who was sort of like yeah. serving him would um, would get it. He um, especially when he found out, and, and I've seen it myself, that um, any anything that's put on a credit card does actually go back to the staff, but less 9% or 10% for admin charge for, for from head, head office for doing for working it all out, uh. which, again, is wrong. That's not what people are expecting. Um, no. You know, so I think uh, back in the day it was 7%, but I think obviously it's gone up. So um, don't, if you can, don't, um, um, don't tip with um, a credit card or a debit card because they don't get all of it. So what we learned from this week of the podcast, just to, to bring it all together, don't brain yourself with a marrow, or other people for that matter. Because to be honest, in that game, I think the person who's got the best out of it is the one that's swinging the marrow. <laughs> don't chase the cheese down that freaking hill. Oh, that's mad. Rhubarb thrashing, maybe a, a decent thing. Yeah, well, um, use celery. Maybe use celery. Use celery, yeah. play safe. <laughs> or even better, like those foam pool noodles that kids use for swimming always read a menu make sure there's no service charge in there yeah. um and if you want to be you know a little bit um argy-bargy with the owners just say look please value these people for what they're doing and if you are going to tip them tip them for doing a great job um and give them cash if you can yeah um, absolutely and to that person yeah and there's some cracking things you can do with asparagus this has been an informative um podcast really hasn't it yeah, i mean we are a public service podcast so we're coming into fate seasons we're are we going to have fate mm. this year bring and buy i don't know we'll we'll see what the fates decide well, oh boom boom oh <laughs> <laughs>
Honey. Come on, Simon. I think it's time for us to say goodbye now. So if you do want to get in touch with us about anything, you can email us, Simon and Joe Foodcast at hotmail.com and find us on Twitter at Simon Joe Foodcast. Uh, of course, in the meantime, there is our website, Facebook page, um, and do please get in touch with us. Cheerio!